0: You're listening to Curated Podcasts from the Beyond Infinity radio show, presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. AI to me is, it's kind of, Awe-inspiring, but it's there's also a kind of very scary side to it as well, I think. Yes. And, and this was illustrated to me just in, in the last few days as I was trawling around for some stories for today's program. I came across a website called thispersondoesnotexist.com. Yeah. Now, this is using AI, and it's using uh, some pretty cool, but not that revolutionary techniques and technologies to generate images so based on scans of i mean let's face it there's so many photos mug shots of people out there whether they're celebrity mug shots which are in the public domain or whether they're on facebook or whether they're on instagram mm-hmm. or they've found their way into the public domain somehow they're floating around on the web uh, they can be harvested they can mm-hmm. be gathered together then ai can be applied to them and in fact you can even have competing ai algorithms that are kind of trying to outdo each other to to play around with these yep. and create realistic looking mugshots face shots of people uh, who don't exist mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's weird and so this website thispersondoesnotexist.com, all it does is literally, it just has a picture of a person and you hit refresh and another picture of a person comes up and so on and so on and they're very realistic, some more than and they others. And
1: they're not real at all. They're not they're real people. They're an AI automatically you know, generated uh, digital image of someone that does not exist. Now, you might find a picture that may look like somebody
0: but that picture is generated from technology, not from a, a, a picture. Absolutely, yeah. and, and it's scary in a way. I guess one of the, the legit re- uses of this, you kind of scratch your head and go, well, what on earth would you be generating all these fake fake faces mm. for? Mm. Well, one is if you're trying to generate characters for a story, so a video game, for example. Yep. If you don't have an actor, and you don't want to pay an actor either, mm. then better to create a face using AI based yep. on it's complete. It doesn't. It's not copying anyone's whose exists face, um, but it looks very real. And then you apply that to your your uh, your character in your. You know, first-person shooter or whatever it is. Or, or even it, a movie? If you want extras an, yeah, on a movie. in, a, in a, a CG movie, yeah, if you shoot. had a low-budget movie and yep.
1: you didn't want to pay extras to come in, mm. then you can just uh, digitally generate this via
0: AI. And they look really, really. It can be an old person, it can be a baby, it can be uh, uh, people wearing glasses. One that there are a few little telltale signs. Like it, it seems to not get teeth very well. If there's people in the background, they can look a bit weird. There can be a little bit of distortion around the side of the face sometimes. So if you look closely at these images, you can see flaws. But don't forget, this is basically, I think this is a student-led project, yeah. basically. There's so- enough,
1: but there's enough imperfections in the facial, facial structure that that's what makes it believable. You know when sometimes you see a digital image and you're like, oh, that's too perfect, like it's a Barbie doll or a Ken doll type picture. Yeah. When you look at some of these photos, I'm looking at some of the things now and it's like, okay, the cheeks are a little bit chubbier or there's a few hairs that are you know hanging over an eye, which, you know, it's not the perfect shot. So there's, there's these subtleties which make you go, that looks exactly
0: like a real person. Person, yes. But it's a digital image. Absolutely. Yeah. So apart from creating characters for movies or video games or, I don't know, that kind of stuff, cartoons... The other use of it potentially, and this is the downside of it, is is possibly for um, ID scams. So, say for example, you wanted to create a fake Facebook page, mm-hmm. um, you could you could basically make it look like you've got a bunch of friends, and and they could all be fake mugshots generated by AI. That if you do a, a scan and then you you know you do a face ID or face matching mm-hmm. process, you you try to match these up against real people, you'll never find them because they're not real people. Mm-hmm. So if you were Interviewing someone for a job, or if you were trying to assess whether a a Facebook page was real or not, it would be harder because you wouldn't be able to prove conclusively. Oh, you could say, okay, well, that's that person, but they actually don't know them. Mm. You would draw a blank. So it's a bit harder to trace. And this is basically a student led project this person does not exist.com so I imagine you could get even better quality than these guys are generating every time you refresh the screen a new image comes up but you don't cycle
1: back through to the start image where you began so Mm. you're only seeing that image once I doubt you would ever roll back to the original image because it continually changes and therefore you wouldn't be able to get multiple photos of the same digitally created image of a person so it's a one-off unique image that you'll probably never see again you can take a screenshot but you'll never get that same digital generated person again i mean think of how many billions of people there are in the world and how many subtle changes there are to make it look like a slightly different person so you could go through trillions if not you know more
0: photos or images it's kind of scary amazing uh, creepy it's got a whole lot of a whole lot of sort of emotional reactions come to mind from this the people behind it have done this and it's uh, it's a a guy by the name of Wang is the guy who set up This Person Does Not Exist, but he's done it to illustrate the potential advantages and disadvantages of AI technology in doing this, creating fake And identities in a way. This could be used to create plausible characters for a story, also used for scams that rely on bogus IDs or testimonials. The website is trying to promote and prompt discussion about the ethics of AI image manipulation before it goes too far. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 kind of useful for that. It is, and that's exactly what it's done for me and for us right now.
1: And that website is thispersondoesnotexist.com. dot com. So you head there and refresh the page, and yeah, you see, and you'll see it. There's nothing
0: yeah. on the page. I looked for an about. I looked for. I tried to find a drop down menu. There's literally nothing there. Yeah. It's just one screen of a picture of a face, and uh, you just keep refreshing it, and you'll get a different. I did every try time. to
1: find a picture of the, maybe represented uh, someone I know or, or even me, but uh, this, you know, every time I refreshed, it was just a completely different
0: look and person. There was no consistency whatsoever. There is some explanation, and we'll post links on our website beyondinfinity. .ru with this story but um, there's a there's a website lyrn.ai which has an explanation it's it's called style-based gans generating and tuning realistic artificial faces so a generative adversarial network a gan a relatively new concept in machine learning introduced for the first time in 2014. The goal is to synthesize artificial samples such as images that are indistinguishable from authentic images. Mm. And what StyleGAN does is it generates artificial uh, images gradually, starting from a very low resolution and continuing to a high resolution by modifying the input each level separately. It controls the visual features that are expressed in that level from coarse features, the pose or the shape of the face, to find details like hair colour without affecting other levels. Mm. Now, there are YouTube uh, videos that explain this, and and we'll post links. I think I've posted one on our Twitter feed already. It's mm-hmm. on our website, beyondinfinity.com.au. If you want to contact us via social media, just scroll to the bottom of the page. Facebook and Twitter are there. But it does give you quite a good explanation showing you how these, these images are built up over time. So it really is extraordinary. I just found this you know in, inspiring in some ways scary in others yeah continuing with the theme of ai and it seems that it's sort of increasingly in the news it's something it's kind of a new thing a new paradigm which the world's going to have to deal with and this is sort of highlighting the potential misuse or the the risks of ai now elon musk we talk about a lot he's got a Company that's been set up that I think he's contributed a lot to, and I think there's other people who are funding it as well. But it's called Open AI. It's a non-profit research company, backed by Musk, Reid Hoffman, Sam Altman, uh, and various others. And um, it's come up with a uh, a new uh, AI model called GPT two. And what this does, it can actually write news or news stories and works of fiction dubbed deep fakes for text. Which have got to the point where they're very believable mm-hmm. and so unlike a lot of stuff research material that's that's that comes out of open ai as the name suggests open uh, it's shared with the public the code or the algorithms or the uh the methodology behind it is shared with other researchers and i think even the public can get access to the the kind of core material behind it the source material in this case with these deep fakes for text they've actually taken the unusual step of not releasing it because mm-hmm. they think they need actually want to do some more tests they want to find out where this thing can lead because one of the problems with being able to generate very believable text is it can feed into fake news yep. and it can feed into things pro- like propaganda yeah, yeah. spam yep and then suddenly you know it becomes it can flood the internet with a whole lot of stuff which is uh, indistinguishable from well, it undermines from real all, stuff like, undermines all text and therefore nothing becomes
1: becomes believable anymore. So we have this with with Google to a degree. I mean, if you're writing an email now, there's a predictive nature which you can start writing a sentence, and then it will actually have in a lighter grey, which allows you to then say, yes, I want to say that, and there could be another three or four words, you know, ahead of
0: what you're typing, and you can just agree to say that. Mm-hmm. And
1: in a way, you know, it's predictive text
0: that is
1: a little bit concerning.
0: There's a bit of AI involved, and you've got yeah. to be careful if you're punching out a text and you're not, you're a bit absent-minded. You can wind up sending something, and then you have to look at it and go, oh, hang on, I didn't mean that at all. Yeah. Is, is this- it AI
1: writing it, or is it you writing yeah, it? Yeah. Well, Well, I
0: think in some cases it's based on what you've written in the past, the the things that it's suggesting. So this deepfakes for text system from OpenAI, it was trained on a data set containing about 10 million articles selected by trawling the social news site Reddit, favorite of mine and and John's, (laughs) for links with more than three votes. The vast collection of text weighed in at 40 gigabytes, enough to store about 35,000 copies of average-sized novel it could revolutionize machine learning by making it a far more effective tool to teach machines about the workings of language. Mm. And this is where it's got that that linkage to news and fake news mm-hmm. because it really does sound like they have made some big strides in AI's ability to master language, to understand, even to do things like comprehend a passage. So you can give it a bit of real text mm-hmm. that's written by a human and ask it questions which relate to, you know, kind of depth of knowledge and, yeah. and bringing in other... Information you know that a human would have in in basic comprehension of something, well, AI is getting to the point where it can have that as well. Apparently, the researchers behind it at OpenAI were very excited by this breakthrough, mm-hmm. but they're also cautious about yeah. it. So they see they see a lot of positivity that could flow from it. They also see some downside and some risk. Just a quote from one of the people involved with this guy by the name of Nicholson. He says that. GPT-2 is the kind of system that we really need to build because we've built a society based entirely on humans creating information and then humans interpreting that information. That quality also led OpenAI to go against its remit of pushing AI forward and keeping GPT-2. T2 behind closed doors for the immediate future while it assesses what malicious users might be able to do with it. Quote, we need to perform experimentation to find out what they can and can't do, said Jack Clark, the charity's head of policy at uh, OpenAI. If you can't anticipate all the abilities of a model, you have to prod it to see what it can do. There are many more people than us who are better at thinking what it can do maliciously. Just a little bit more about the way that the OpenAI software works. The OpenAI team are hoping that the software can create AI systems that are both safe and also highly useful in some way. But ultimately, they're excited about what they've built. Because of its ability to understand the human language, GPT-2 is able to understand how to make some of the most important changes to the world in the years to come. The possibility of of bad actors getting hold of this and using it to create spam or or, um, fake news. As it's trained on the internet, it's not hard to encourage it to generate uh, bigoted text, conspiracy theories, and so on. So, unfortunately, there's a lot of material out there already, which, yeah. if you sort of, if you give uh, an AI system open slather well then it's going to learn all that as well it's not going to necessarily just get all your sweet wholesome stuff that kind of reflects it'll yeah, learn how to values. inflame
1: um, you know potential opposing parties and mm. ideologies so mm. you know, if on the one hand you are a major supporter of uh, one thing and then you've got detractors on the other side this AI might be able to pick at that and actually publish content which is promoted through social media all completely fake but then help to uh, create even further division in between you know those to opposing
0: sides yeah and and open goal is pretty admirable really that the, the goal is to show what's possible to prepare the world for what will be mainstream in a year or two's time and uh, again quoting from jack clark head of policy i have a term for this the escalator from hell it's always bringing the technology down in cost and down in price. The rules by which you can control technology have fundamentally changed. We're not saying we, knew, we know the right thing to do here. We're not laying down the line and saying, this is the way. We're trying to develop more rigorous thinking here. We're trying to build the road as we travel across it. Mm. That's from OpenAI. Very interesting that they so can I, generate I, text like that.
1: And The thing is, like I see and have seen for years, AI to a degree has been derided by uh, political parties or the general public to think oh it's it's nothing you know we're never going to get anything like what say Star Trek had or any of these you know big sort of movie type AIs but we're already on that path and we're very actually a lot closer to that than (laughs) what we uh, may consider and so because of this we lack in policy we're sort of just sliding into this this world where AI will exist all around us and unfortunately because
0: we haven't been listening properly we we won't pick up the signs what is or what isn't ai it's a classic example and it's happening there's other examples of where technology the the laws of of countries hasn't caught up with technology and there's and there's this lag nowhere is that more true than in dealing with ai but that's not to say that it's all bad there are some really positive spins on this just interesting to um it gives an example of where they fed The opening line of George Orwell's 1984, so kind of ironic choice of subject matter there, (laughs) very dystopian world that uh, he wrote about. So the opening line, it was a bright and cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. And the system recognised the vaguely futuristic tone and the novelistic style and continues with... This is quoting what AI came up with. I was in my car on my way to a new job in Seattle. I put the gas in, put the key in, and then I let it run. I just imagined what the day would be like 100 years from now. In 2045, I was a teacher in some school in a poor part of rural China. I started with Chinese history and a history of science. That's what AI came up with, giving one line Mm. out of a novel written Yeah, it wasn't seventy to, years ago. It wasn't there to
1: predict what the novel said. It was it was there to create a new story. Yeah. Which, and so far, I would look at that and I wouldn't be able to tell that that was an AI. You'd go. Uh, yeah. I'll read on. That was that was an uh, an author that actually wrote. So this, you, yeah.
0: then you have people who don't even who just if you're smart enough at using AI, then you don't even need to actually write a novel. You can just get let AI write a novel. Yeah. You can just feed in a little corrective line. You can steer it yeah. every so often. I want some suspense, and I want you know mm. to talk about this, and all of a sudden you've got a, a full novel. It makes it easier to. play plagiarize in a way as well. Anyway, look, let's let's move on from that to a kind of a brighter use of AI. Now, the world's most powerful supercomputer called Summit is at the Oak Ridge National Lab in America. And that I think that same place was involved in the Manhattan Project, which, in, which came up with the world's first atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that an American supercomputer has captured the crown of being the fastest and most powerful supercomputer in the world. The Chinese apparently had that mantle for five years running. Now, this giant computer is using machine learning. It occupies an area equivalent to the size of two tennis courts. It uses more than 27,000 powerful graphics processors in the project. It was able to make a billion, billion operations per second, or what is known in supercomputing circles as an exaflop. Apparently, this is the first time that deep learning has been scaled to such levels of performance. They are looking to use this to examine climate change now this is a so the world's most powerful computers is using AI focused on one of the world's largest problems climate change the project demonstrates the scientific potential of adapting deep learning to supercomputers which traditionally simulate physical and chemical processes such as nuclear explosions black holes or new materials did you know that the reason why America had a ban on nuclear testing underground I think it was the last time that they that they did actual atomic bomb tests underground, I think, in Nevada mm-hmm. was because they were able to simulate it using supercomputers.
1: I did know something about that and they were taking the old footage that they'd captured from the, what, the 60s? Feeding,
0: 50s it, into, and 60s, feeding it into the supercomputer. Feeding that
1: in and then the supercomputer sort of reverse, mm. you know, work that out and reverse go, well, this is what we expect would happen. Or yeah. they
0: can simulate. They've got enough data to be able to feed it all yeah. in. And this is actually, this is going back decades. Mm. So this is a, quite a long time that that's applied. Google's also been helping this project of looking at climate change using the world's most powerful supercomputer. It's called Summit. Googlers helped the project by adapting the company's open source TensorFlow machine learning software to Summit's giant scale. Now, this came out from OpenAI, uh, Elon Musk's company, so back to that not-for-profit of Elon Musk's. OpenAI calculated the amount of computing power in the largest publicly disclosed machine learning experiments has doubled roughly every 3.43, so three and three-quarter months, 2012, which would mean an 11-fold increase each year. That's publicly disclosed machine learning experiments. Mm. There's probably a lot that's happening which mm-hmm. isn't isn't publicly exposed that progression has helped bots from google parent alphabet defeat champions at tough board games and video games and fueled a big jump in the accuracy of google's translation service so google translates a great great utility tool. Yeah. great tool it can almost i think work in real time it you does you have yeah. your phone sitting in front of you you're speaking in english into it and it's translating for someone else who's yeah. replying in a foreign language and you're understanding each other which is incredible so some of the uses, as far as climate change, and this is, and this is really, this is the upside of AI and and machine learning, is that it should help predict storm impacts such as flooding and physical damage. You know, yeah, because uh, the issue with, with all of this is
1: that small variables have major changes. It's the sort of the butterfly effect, if you will. Mm. And there are you know potentially millions of different trillions or even bigger number than that of these small variables. So the supercomputer is taking into account all of this. And if there is a small change in one of these variables, then it can look at what the expected outcome is. For a regular home computer to do that, it would probably take a 1,000 years yes. to
0: work out what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. So they're being able to generate much longer scale and range climate predictions and doing this in a way which is taking taking account of the sort of volatility of, of, um, of weather, which we're now experiencing, mm. you know, more floods, more extreme cold, mm-hmm. more extreme heat waves, all that sort of stuff. This is shedding light on that, which is undeniably useful. This project on climate change one the Gordon Bell Prize for Boundary Pushing Work in Supercomputing that went to the Oak Ridge, Lawrence Berkeley and and NVIDIA researchers who've been involved in this. The slowing pace of improvements to conventional processes has led engineers to stuff supercomputers with growing numbers of graphics chips where performance has grown more reliably. So that's kind of an interesting limit possibly to Moore's Law that uh, your standard sort of CPU that, that idea that it would double every year mm-hmm. or I think it was mm-hmm. I think that's Moore's law or every every 18 months thereabouts that seems to be tapering off we've yeah. got we've, we've sort of reached really really high performance chips yeah. in phones and in, in desktops and laptop computers consumer items have now got really fast processors, but where the continuing output in, in improvement is in graphics chips and that's, I guess that's been driven by things like video gaming mm-hmm. that sort of stuff which is, which is so demanding on those sorts of chips that's where the improvements has been and that's where they're able to get these um, exaflop performance out of supercomputers like summit and the next big step up is quantum computing because it, you know we are reaching the limits of
1: what we can in a, a conventional um, you know chip and a, the quantum
0: computing method will actually reinvent the game completely Deep learning is going to generate more realistic simulations of clouds inside climate forecasts, which could improve forecasts of changing rainfall patterns, another example of this. So uh, great that they're doing this a really good story against that sort of backdrop of false identities, fake news, fake text, spam, and all that sort of stuff, all the kind of dubious and uh, slightly scary uses or potential uses of AI to hear and to to learn that laboratories and researchers are being given awards in America for actually shedding light on climate change. Mm -hmm. And given the political circumstances in America, where there's a lot of climate change deniers Mm -hmm. out there, it is certainly encouraging to hear AI used in this way to address a very serious issue for the world. Thanks for listening.
1: We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPP FM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.